Hello everyone, welcome to the Three Masons podcast. I'm your occasional host, Gloria. And in this episode, we're finally doing an another another Exhume the Tomb, which seems to be one of our more popular um, installments of the podcast. Um, I also want to introduce, I want to introduce my other occasional host, Abby. Hello. And Cindy. Hello. Um, so, <clears throat> I think, Abby, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to say that I think the Exhume the Tomb episodes are pretty popular, because I think people like conspiracies, <laughs> or, or stuff along that vein. I think that's also true. I, I think also the Exhume the Tombs allow us to, one, be more organized, because yesterday's episode was an yesterday last week's episode was a complete mess um and it allowed people to think a little bit more which i think is is more entertaining for a lot of people than you know just hearing us ramble about so um i was kind of i had i had a lot of requests from my family members to make another exhume the tomb but i wasn't really thinking of any exhume the tomb that i thought was interesting most of them are almost, they're less an exhume the tomb and more of a, where are they? Like a, like Amelia Earhart, we don't have her body, so what exactly are we exhuming if there's no tomb to exhume? So I was, I was, trying, I was trying to think about someone who like had like a, a case, or, or try, I also tried looking for someone who had a case where it was really an, an, an act of, you know, exhuming the tomb because we had their body. And... As um, fate would have it, it's another composer. Now, I don't know if this is just some sort of thing, just a composer thing, but it seems like a lot of composers have pretty mysterious deaths. And I think this is partly to do with the fact that a lot of the famous ones that we think about, <clears throat> like Mozart and Beethoven, excuse me, were born in time periods where the med- the medical world was um a bit sketchy, a little bit unfounded, <coughs> which means that a lot of their re- the, the reports of their death were easily to be, you know, disputed, like Mozart with like the 10,000 different fevers and stuff he could have possibly had instead of, you know, a consistent, oh, we tested him and he got COVID or something. So I think that's why in today's case we're going to be talking about Tchaikovsky. Um, does anyone have anything to say, Abby? You, you reacted a bit? No, I don't really have much to say other than King. <laughs> um, yeah, Tchaikovsky, I think in particular for us is quite a a figure as um a ballet dancer because you know he he wrote many. He composed many greats, you know, for for the ballet world. I mean, he he did definitely snap when he wrote for the Nutcracker. <laughs> so, this is a, a quite irrelevant. Uh, exhumed the tomb. I I mean, he basically he basically he he paved the way for basically every other ballet mm-hmm. after him. And and I feel like honestly, name a ballet that you know, and it's probably a Tchaikovsky ballet so the nutcracker swan lake sleeping beauty that's all his work (laughs) so tchaikovsky is a russian composer and in the west he's considered as basically like 
the best Russian composer. Of course, in Russia, they have, you know, differing opinions. But in the West, I mean, name another Russian composer. Rachmaninoff. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. But at the same time, I don't feel like he has that sort of almost that 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 cult status that yeah but he doesn't have that sort of that mozart factor you know what i mean or like you you name them and then everybody's able to be like you know you know hum a piece by them you know like when you say stravinsky what piece is in your mind right now can't hum stravinsky that's the problem (laughs) like he doesn't have that or hum a, a rachmaninoff piece I would want to try. It sounds really bad if I tried to hum it. So, like, it's just, it's just, it, he doesn't have that it factor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he doesn't have that it factor. <clears throat> but I think Tchaikovsky um, did have, does have that in nowadays, you know. You can easily, you know, hum something from the Nutcracker or Swan Lake. <clears throat> so, Tchaikovsky was born in 1840 in Russia. And I... Yeah, he was pretty much like one of the most, probably the most known composers in his time, along with the other five, which call me uncultured, but I honestly do not know who they are. I, no, no, no. I know their names, but like they're just not very relevant, so I will not be naming them. And that's harsh. That's really harsh. It's not harsh, but more, they're not relevant to the story. So, I mean. So, um, at the at the time period that we're talking here, thankfully, unlike with Mozart, where the, the time period around his death was really disputed, like Constanza saying he was one place while somebody else was saying he's in other place, for the most part, since it's much more recent, we kind of know the general whereabouts of where of where he was. So, I think almost every. Everybody starts around the 28th of November, which is when Tchaikovsky premiered his final uh, completed symphony, um, Symphony Number no. 6, also known as the Pathétique, not the Pathetic, <laughs> even though apparently the English crowd started calling it the Pathetic to, in, to, to kind of differentiate it from the Pathétique by Beethoven, mm. which... <laughs> why would you do that? Why can't why can't you just say the Tchaikovsky pathetic? I don't know. But pathetic is basically like a French translation of a Russian word, but even though their meanings are kind of different. But anyhow, so um, it he originally wanted to call, and this is kind of relevant to to later on. But he originally wanted to call it the Program Symphony. Um, which was a kind of style. I think I talked about this in another episode. It was. It was. A, it was. A, it's a kind of style of music where, like, usually they have like some sort of pamphlet explaining, like, you know, what was what what was the the vibe basically. What was it supposed to be about? You know. So like, you know, Berlioz had this whole thing talking about. Oh yeah, the first mo- movement. He's going. The, there's a character, and he's going through this, 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 and that, and that. But then Tchaikovsky realized that that meant that he was going to have to explain the meaning of the piece. And he didn't want to tell anybody what it was about, which keep 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 that in your mind, kiddos. So the piece was very successful. It it it, it um monetarily, although critically, apparently opinions were quite split. And there was a, for some reason a general like bewilderment about the piece, as in people felt like it was very 
unusually sad. Um, and I'm sure, and I'm sure with like the majority of people, when you think Tchaikovsky, you don't really think sad. To be, I guess this one, I guess one like gets gets pretty sad sometimes. Oh, sorry. I think he has some other like sadder pieces. Well, I mean, in general, it doesn't matter how the pieces your your image sometimes gets stuck with a with a particular sound that you're fam- that you get famous for, and you know he's famous for you know the more bombastic, very sort of triumphant, regal almost sounding pieces. That something when you think Tchaikovsky, you're not immediately thinking, oh, his sad piece that he did a couple times. Why that? I mean, with all due with all due respect. That's a Chopin thing. That's like you think Chopin, you think like sad man in his mid thirties, you know. And it's not really, it's not really a Tchaikovsky thing. And so a lot of people were kind of like taken aback by it, and they just felt like there was like because when you listen to it, there's literally like no happy parts. Like you know, in like some of the slower, like you know, piano concertos, like there's always that part where it's like a little bit happier. Like I think a good example of this is um, um. Shostakovich's uh, second piano concerto, I think, where like the first part is like very lively, and then the middle is very calm, and then the last part is also very lively. So there's that sort of balance. Well, his sixth symphony doesn't Tchaikovsky's sixth symphony doesn't really have that sort of thing. So apparently, it took quite a, a, a lot of people aback. And then after the premiere, he went to the theater to see this play called The Ardent Heart, and then he went to a restaurant with his uh, brother. Uh, Modest. I'm not sure how it's supposed to be pronounced. Honestly, the first time I saw, I was like, "Modest." <laughs> I did not know he had a brother. He doesn't really give only child energy. Does he give only child energy? I, I never thought about his family life. That's true. I feel like only children c- come off with a certain vibe, though. Like their overall demeanor seems to be a little bit. Now I know this is a stereotype, but a little bit more selfish. Like oftentimes, like for example, do you when you see the way that only children interact with like their friends and fa- uh, their friends and like their parents, like you can really tell that they feel like my parent, you know. While in that sibling atmosphere, as as, as people have quite a few siblings, there's no room for that sort of behavior. Anyhow, but he went with his brother Modest and his nephew Vladimir, who was also nicknamed Bob. <laughs> And I'm gonna be honest. How did we go from Vladimir to Bob? It's kind of like when, like, what's a what's a name that I that you feel like its nickname doesn't make any sense? Huh. I, I'm sure I have like ideas, but right now they're not just not coming. I mean, I mean, I've heard you guys complain about the Bill coming from William thing. But, but like when you say William, I, I but if I, I would say Will. No, Bill? Where did the B come from? <laughs> it makes no sense. Anyhow. Um, uh, yeah, he went with his brother and his nephew. And um, also another uh, another Russian composer called Alexander Glazunov. Um, and in this restaurant, um, Tchaikovsky ordered a glass of water. Um, now, a reminder that in around this time, <laughs> there's a cholera outbreak. And cholera ain't a very nice disease because, I mean, there's no disease that's nice. Is it cholera or cholera? Why is that how that's pronounced? It's cholera? 
I think so. I, I don't think I've heard it pronounced. <laughs> Abby, is it La Covid versus La Covid versus No Covid? I'm pretty. Is it cholera? I I mean I've always heard cholera, not cholera. <laughs> this is this is our dad saying COVID and us being like, wait, what's COVID? It's COVID. Habakkuk versus Habakkuk. Okay, col col cholera. Or cholera, cholera, cholera. Uh, there was a cholera outbreak at the at the time, and cholera is transmitted via like dirty water. So um, at the time, people were boiling water before they drank it to make sure that you know kill all that bacteria, basically. Which kind of just talk about how thankful we are that we don't need to do that, you know, anymore. Although there are still some places where. You need to be cautious. You know, now we are a little bit, we're in a little bit of a safer place now when it comes to Europe, the water system. Um, we used to be pretty nasty back then, but we're no longer getting our water from the River Thames anymore. <laughs> Thank God. Um, Pray for Malta. Oh! <laughs> yeah. People always want to talk about Africa, but like, we still got a few countries out here that are like, yeah, I mean, remember the whole like the whole Flint disaster that happened in the United States? That was the 21st century in a developed country, and there were still some issues with the water systems. So, anyhow, let's hope the government gets that unchecked. Um, so, of course, but for some reason, at the time, the restaurant did not have any boiled water. And so they were like, sorry, Tarkovsky, but uh, there's no more boiled water, so uh, we can't give you water. And he was like, I don't need it boiled. Um, okay. Was he just doing that because he just really wanted water at that time? He's like, I don't care, just give me water. Okay, but that's like some, okay. Uh, okay, let me talk about something that's relevant to now. If somebody, if, you needed to go to the bathroom, but then they were like, "Sorry, we need to make disinfect it before you go in." Will you just be like, "No, no, 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 I need to go in," or would you like wait for it to get disinfected? I'd, I'd wait. You, you see, like, uh, like especially something with thirst. I feel like you can control it. I'm not about to risk my life for a glass of water with with all due respect. But apparently, he was like, "I don't need it boiled." And so they give him, which that has to be some really bad restaurant practice, but they give him the unboiled water. And so, of, of course, all of, his, all of his friends are like, bruh, don't drink the water. And he's like, come, come, relax, it's not that bad. And I'm just like, okay, that's, that's spoilers. But I couldn't the restaurant, like, be like, wait, let's boil it on the stove. They didn't, I don't, I don't think that would make sense. Okay, keep going. Boil it on the stove? Yeah. I, why couldn't they, though? If they had some unboiled water on hand, why couldn't they have just boiled it on the stove and then wait for it to cool? Most likely because they had big quantities and they didn't even put a thousand tiny pots. I don't know. No. They, you, may, they, maybe they had like those big, you know, the, the pots that mom makes the, the, the saka saka in? Like those, big, <laughs> like those big, huge pots, you know? Or, yeah, or maybe they just could have boiled it just for Tchaikovsky. Um, 
way. So we're going to go past and continue this conversation without explaining what sakasaka is and assuming people know what that is. It's the cassava. I'm not sure. Honestly, I did not know what it was made out of before last year, but apparently it's made out of cassava leaves. And it's like a sort of stew where you put like different vegetables and the cassava leaves and it like have to cook for like two days to make it apparently <laughs> to make the best uh, cassava stew basically. And it's, I've tasted it. And I always forget what it tastes like every single year after that. So honestly, I cannot tell you if it tastes good. Do you guys remember what it tastes like? I don't know if you remember what it tastes like, you know, like precisely, but I do remember liking it a lot. Why do we don't you speak of it like it's in the far past. We eat it every Christmas. Yeah, but it's not like I'm really paying attention to like the the, the notes of the cassava leaves and the vegetables and the, you know I'm not paying attention to that because they we almost always taste it almost like a dare like hey you guys never eat the saka saka and I'm just like oh that's kind of true so like I taste a little bit of it but it almost always escapes my mind I don't know if I'm just always in like some sort of weird Christmas food coma that I forget what I'm <laughs> eating but honestly I don't remember anyhow so um yeah but they give him the unboiled water he's like it's I although his friends are worried but the next morning, instead of being in the tea room, as he usually was, he was in his bed and he was complaining that he had an upset stomach. Which, kind of say if I was his brother, I'd have been like, you stupid. You just, <laughs> you just drank some unboiled water in a cholera outbreak or cholera outbreak. And now you could be like, oh, my stomach hurts. Didn't we tell you this yesterday? Anyhow. <laughs> You'd have to be held back, honestly. Not, not held back. It's just more like it's that it's that sibling anger when your sibling does something kind of like stupid, and you're just like, "Bruh, I told you this, and you didn't listen." Which I'm sure you guys can relate very much with me. There were many instances like that. Anyhow, but so of course his brother Modest was like, "You know, we should bring you to a ho- to a doctor. You know, get a doctor." And he was like. So he refused. Tchaikovsky was just like, no, we're not going to, we're not getting a doctor. He doesn't trust Big Pharma? I think, I don't think it was because he didn't trust Big Pharma, but I, I think he had a little bit of a fear of doctors, which I'm going to be honest, I never, I never understand. Like a fear of hospitals, I understand, because last year when we went to a hospital, it's very sterile, it's all white walls, and like all the employees have like this weird energy about them. Fear is not always rational, though. That's true. But, like, I feel like even every irrational fear has some sort of, like, backstory. Like, a spider, you know, it might be the tiniest spider on... It's a backstory, but not necessarily a, a rational reason, if you know what I mean. That's true. That's true. I don't know where he got his fear of doctors, but apparently he didn't trust any doctors. So for three days, he refused any sort of treatment... But then he was just getting worse, and his kidneys started failing. And so they had to get a doctor in. And um, the doctor, called um, Dr. Lev Bertinson, um, diagnosed him with cholera. 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 Um, and diagnosed him with cholera. And um, for a while... Imagine being his brother and hearing that. I mean, he was a grown man. He, I mean, like a grown man. Like he's in his, he's in his fifties. So, I mean, what can you do? So, um, 
he starts to get a little bit better, but then he regresses again. And so he he's basically on death's door. So they try to get a priest to do like the last rites and everything, but apparently he was he was he couldn't recognize anything that was going on around him. Which in composing language is this man about to die soon, honestly. Whenever they start to lose sense of where they where they are, that's usually a sign that they're pretty far gone. But yeah, so um on November sixth uh, around 3 a.m., uh, Tchaikovsky died at the age of 53. And from that point on, we start to get some strange occurrences. So it's, it's, I, 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 I sectioned this part, strange occurrences. So firstly, um, uh, immediately after his death, apparently some... His body wasn't treated the way that a cholera victim was usually supposed to be treated, and um, because of course, like usually with these outbreaks, kind of like you know the CDC guidelines, there were some rules in in how to treat the cholera um, bodies to make sure that people didn't get you know infected and stuff. And so instead of being immediately um, um, put in a um, in a closed coffin to avoid any sort of you know infection. He was displayed in in Modest's flat, and the door was open for anyone to go in and out to, you know, pay their respects to Tchaikovsky. Which imagine this is basically the COVID parties in the in, in the in the cholera in the cholera outbreak. This is basically the same sort of thing. You're inviting a bunch of people around a dead man's body who died allegedly of cholera. I don't understand whose idea was this and who allowed this, but bruh, that's sketchy. Anyway, and um, the, com- r- the Russian composer um, um, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov um, was apparently extremely bewildered by this also, and he wrote in his autobiography that, quote, I remember how Alexander... Sorry, hold on. I wrote the pronunciation of this name. Alexander um, Verbilovich, who, okay, let me do that again. Uh, I remember, how, <laughs> I remember how Alexander Verbilo's speech, a cellist and professor at the Saint Petersburg Conservatory, totally drunk, kept cutting the deceased man's head and face. Which? Where was he? Why are you going to a viewing drunk? Maybe he was drowning away his sorrows beforehand, because he was sad that he died. True. Like you, you don't know what he was doing like earlier on in the day. And then after, you know, people are like, go, go see the body and, you know, you're not necessarily in the right state, you know? So perhaps he caught himself in a, <laughs> in a situation where he was drunk, but he always wanted to see the body. That must have been the trippiest thing to look at, honestly. Yeah, but I, I, I would be uncomfortable. But he, this part of the 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 biography was li- like edited out in some of the later um ed- editions of the book um but rimsky korsakov's um comments conflicted with that of uh, sergey diagolev who was a russian art critic and founder of the the ballet russe of course and he claimed that there was almost no one 
in in uh, in Modest Flat at all, which um, that's one case of conflicting accounts. Um, and uh, for a lot of for a lot of people in the Russian public, um, cholera, even though it affects all all of society, it was kind of seen as a poor people's disease. And so um, it was kind of seen as like a, a demeaning way to die, basically. And so the fact that uh, um, cholera, cholera, cholera um, killed uh, Tchaikovsky for some reason kind of degraded his reputation among some of the upper class people who were kind of like, oh my goodness, the poor people's disease. And so a lot of people apparently it was inconceivable that he died from that he died from um, cholera. And um, the Petersburg Gazette reported that, quote, how could Tchaikovsky, having just arrived in Petersburg and living in excellent hygienic conditions, have contracted such infection? Which, I mean, as we've seen from with the COVID um, pandemic, it really don't matter who you are, where you are, if you find yourself in a situation where there's even a slight possibility that you could get infected and you're not very careful, you can get uh, infected no matter in what part of society you're in. I mean, we have we have out here these teenagers acting ridiculous, doing weird challenges, and then catching COVID. They live in perfectly sanitary houses. Never mind, not even going to go into it. But yeah, people will be catching COVID because they're being irresponsible. Or like for some of the politicians throwing parties and then of course, you know, you think that, hey, we're in a safe environment. You know, I did a little spray down of the house, you know, no one's going to get infected. But, you know, you really don't know. Sitting prowling around like a roaring lion. If you understood that reference. Good. Anyhow. And uh, similarly, the Russian life, another, which, can I just say magazine names never change? <laughs> it's always the something something's life, the this, um, the times, you know, the something something gazette. I don't even know where these names come from, to be honest. Um, but um, they commented, quote, everyone is astounded by the uncommon occurrence of the lightning fast infection, which with Asiatic cholera of a man so very temperate, modest, and austere in his daily habits. <laughs> the Asiatic cholera reminds you of the, the China virus. Basically, the China virus of its time. Um, and so you can really tell that people really thought that, like, people were very shocked at the idea that, you know, wow, you know, high-class man, you know, was a, was a good-paying job called cholera. Or, yeah, cholera? Cholera, cholera, cholera. Um, but <laughs> this is gonna just gonna be a, 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 um, a repeating occurrence. But yeah, that was the general feeling of the time, and for the most part, people respected the idea that he died of of of, of um, cholera just because it seemed the most likely considering the circumstances. But there's also a little bit of, of of confusion on what was going on because um, Tchaikovsky's uh, brother um, claimed that he drank the cholera-infected water on November 2nd and not November 1st, which is when they went in the um, um, 
uh, restaurant, which leads us to the other section of this, which is the cause of death. And this is where things honestly go from mild to very spicy very qu- <laughs> very quickly. Um, and so, for the most part, um, the doctor who, um, in, what's the word? Uh, inspected? Saying, thank you, thank you, older sister coming and checking my lack of vocabulary. Um, Dr. Lev Bertenson claimed that Tchaikovsky had a, quote, classic case of cholera. He was later reported as admitting that he had actually never seen a cholera patient, which, um, should you be diagnosing someone if you've never seen someone with the disease? I'm shaking my head. I mean, probably because of circumstances. Like, well, it gotta be cholera. I mean, everybody's catching it. That's 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 not proper. But and you know the upset stomach, which is usually a sign of of of, of cholera. He probably thought, eh, it can't really go wrong, you know. But anyway, even if he had cholera, the source of his cholera is still uh, in dispute. So most people thought that he had contracted cholera when he was at the restaurant, um, but. Modest claimed that he drank infected water on November second, um, not no, not not November first, and so, um, it kind of begs the question: Why was there unboiled water around the dining slash eating drinking area? Uh, Modest claimed that um, Tchaikovsky just poured a glass of water that was unboiled. And everyone was like, no, Tchaikovsky, that's dirty. And he was like, come on, guys, it's not that deep. And um, he said, you know, I'm a hygienic man, basically, and drank the water. Which I find even weird because he's not in a desperate situation like he was at the restaurant where he's thirsty, there's no way to boil the water. Like, wouldn't he just go on the stove and, like, pour pour out the glass and just boil it? Yeah, that would make the most sense for me to do if I was in a situation. I mean, there were some times, I don't know if you guys remember this, remember when we didn't have any um, hot water and we had to boil like pots of water on a stove? Like, it's not really that difficult. So I'm wondering why Modest has dirty water on the table. But the thing is that um, the incubation period for um, cholera is supposed to be like one to three days. And so if November 2nd is the day where he starts getting symptoms. How is it possible, like, it, there needs to be at least 24 hours for the, the bacteria, you know, to start reacting. So a lot of people think that Modest has probably got, got the story incorrect because he would have to have drank. But even then, if it's 24 hours, he would have still had to have drank it even earlier than the restaurant um, period, which beg the question, how much dirty water is this man drinking if this is indeed cholera? Again, these both both of these situations kind of kind of try to make it like, you know, he's just kind of like, I just need a sip of water. But like, it seems like he's just drinking dirty cholera water on a practically daily basis in order to make sure that the eventually he strikes on the on the cholera water. 
Anyhow, does anyone have anything to say? Because he's just staring at me with like bewildered eyes. I mean, maybe it was a bad habit that he had, just not being patient enough to boil the water. An outbreak that had that had started in the summer. I mean, to I I not I don't know about that because I mean the cholera thing was happening at a very like a specific time, and. I mean, like I'm sure beforehand, like you know, did you just drank your water without thinking about it, really? But like, I don't see an like if he how, how many how many years of the cholera pandemic was he uh, like part of? Like, how how long did the the pandemic last? Um, the the cholera the cholera pandemic in general had started a few decades earlier, but this specific outbreak in um in Russia happened started in August. And this was around November, so it still would have been fresh enough for him to like kind of understand the ha- the habit. Like if because I mean if he's if if this is a bad habit of his, then it means he was drinking dirty cholera water for I don't know how many well, months and live out <laughs> here living. Or what if he's like those people that don't believe in COVID? Like he's just like he's he's doing it like a defiance. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if whether or not he believes if he's drinking that much dirty water from August to November, he should have been dead by August and not be still living here in November. I don't know, mate. Yeah, so I have to say that's that that that's a that, that's a little sus. Um and also another weird thing is that uh Tchaikovsky preferred mineral slash sparkling water over like plain water. So if he wanted plain water and found that there wasn't plain water in the restaurant, why didn't he just take mineral water, which is already bottled, instead? So that's us. And also Jagulev noted that, quote, nobody at that time drank unboiled water, and it seemed inconceivable to us that Tchaikovsky should have done so. So I don't think that your theory of him <laughs> drinking dirty cholera water every single day of his life <laughs> there's a bad habit that just kept on going and oh you know he 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 got on the on the wrong batch so it seemed like like almost everybody else he was drinking like clean boiled water which is why of course in the 1970s a um a um Tchaikovsky biographer called Holden suggests that Tchaikovsky might have gotten cholera, but by other means. Which, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, the theory is kind of funny. Not funny as in, like, funny as in hilarious, but funny like it don't got no basis. And I really don't know how, what, how this biographer concocted this idea in his mind. But according to him, using the studies of Dr. Valentina um, Bukowski, who was this, uh, um, I think he was an immunologist in Russia, um, the biographer Holden suggests that Tchaikovsky might have contracted cholera via unhygienic practices from male prostitutes. Why did I know that that was where that was going to go? I absolutely knew, and I was going to say it as a joke, but I didn't want to say it because like, that's too stereotypical, but I knew that was what they were going to say, and there we go, once again. It's always got to be about him being gay. <laughs> and where is the basis, exactly? On the fact that he's gay, sis, that's it. It's sort of like... The- <laughs> I think with Leonardo, 
Da Vinci above DiCaprio. Da Vinci with with his students is like, well, obviously he has to be having sex with them, obviously, right? And it's just like, do we know that? No, it's just because he's gay. They're like, well, he's obviously having sex with under with with children. <laughs> that is true, and I feel like it's just why do we need to assume that the prostitutes are male? And why do we? I mean, I guess because most people assume that that Tchaikovsky is gay, but like. I mean, there's no, there's no basis for no, there's no proof that he was a, in any contact with any prostitutes in his time, and in in Saint Petersburg, and it just feels a little bit scandalous. Like it feels like it's trying to rile up the folks, you know? Like it's that oh, so we thought he was just drinking dirty water, and now he he's gay. <laughs> how does that make sense in terms of how cholera spreads? But like someone had cholera. And you know, usually it's around like the like the mouth, nose area. Wouldn't somebody not be feeling too well to be out here having sex with someone? Like, <laughs> really? You were making you were making a point. <laughs> no, just like oh, my stomach hurts. You know what I need right now? I need companionship in a very physical maybe sense. Maybe maybe it was their, it was the prostitute's job, and so but like, wouldn't they be like? A, I guess you could say within the incubation period of around 24 hours, that's when they were doing their job. But I think that's really, like, that's really precise. It's a very specific window of time. I don't think that that was the case. Yeah, uh, the biographer himself set, uh, admits that he has no further proof of this of this theory. Right. Even the... <laughs> Is those people that are here that take their headcanon way too seriously? It's the headcanon, bro. Don't pretend or pass it as canon. Uh, and, and it, wait, to me, it's like a milder version of what could eventually become David C.F. Wright. Anyway. Anyway, we're going to pretend we didn't see that. Um, and um, even though the Times of London also furthered this theory because journalism... Um, and he admits they had no further proof of the theory, but he said if this was the case, Tchaikovsky and Modest might have, you know, really, like, tried to conceal this, which is why they actually just planned the drinking incident to cover up for the fact that he had already contacted, contracted the, 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 which means that he would have to have been quite sick, anyhow, they, 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 what if it was during a recent time? What do you mean, elaborate, Like, for example, if... If the prostitution scandal happened on November 1st, then they'll plan the drinking situation on November 2nd. How do they know that yeah, how do they know that he he got it? And then they're like, oh no, we have to fix this. Drink cholera was probably gonna make it worse for you. No, but like in order to I don't know how they would assume that he had got it already. <laughs> like usually when you think prostitute did you, do you think like syphilis that i would think oh no he went to the male prostitutes he has cholera you know but <laughs> but like i would i don't think anyhow but according to him like they might have tried to make him drink the water so that they would be like no it was when we were at the when we we're at the restaurant that's when he got it you know so you would basically rather have your brother die than for him to admit that he went to prostitutes. no but he's dying die. anyway he's already dying of it. it's just we're changing up the reason but you're making it worse but I mean, he was already on the path to death. You're already, you're already dying. Not time to make it worse, basically. And 
I honestly think that this is BS. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say it's BS. Like it's true that Tchaikovsky had a near mythical status in 1890 Russia, but I I feel like the process was too difficult, and there's just no proof to say that 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 even happened. Honestly, and to mention we kind of know his whereabouts around that time. But I don't think that he was just like there was just one night where he was just like let me contact this Calera. Let me contract this contact with this cholera holding male prostitute with all with all respect. Um, so this is where we start getting into probably the most popular theories around this time, um, around like the seventies, which is, and of course the BBC touted this. Uh, this <laughs> um, this the quote suicide by court of honor theory. This is a spicy one, boys. This is a spicy one. So this theory was brought to the public by a Russian musicologist called Alexandra Orlova. And I'm going to say it. Musicologists need to have their writing rights revoked. (laughs) When you look at David Seafrey and the other musicologists that come later, they can say anything. I'm an expert in, in, in... in, in, in Tchaikovsky, I know this. Like, y'all don't have, they don't have the right to be speaking anymore, with all due respect. Aren't you supposed to be really focusing on the music aspect? How do you know about all the, all the lives and, like, the ins and, like, and ins and outs, even their thoughts? Like, are you God? Can you hear their thoughts? <laughs> How David see if right I'm sorry, we keep on throwing that name, but you can watch our other episodes. But that where he also had this thing where I just like, I know Chopin was going to these salons only so that you could see the, the the cleavage of women. I'm just like, you don't know this, but they sense, but since they know these composers, they can just basically say anything they want. You literally just said that he was a raving predator. How do we know? And also, how do you know? More importantly, you you do the music bit. Why are you talking about yeah, their lives? Like you're studying about arpeggios or something like you ain't you ain't studying about like now you're studying medical science anyhow so um in 1979 after she had immigrated from the west um orlova released this theory and her key witness was this pupil of a school called the school of jurisprudence uh this pupil called um alexander voitrov and Voitrov was amassing a lot of the history of the people of his school. And one student was this man called Nikolai Borisovich Jacobi. I'm sorry for the pronunciation of this. And he was a member of the Senate, apparently. And Jacobi's a widow, Elizaveta Karlovna, allegedly told Voitrov in 1913 that a duke called Stan... <laughs> My brother's friend's dog, a cat, a master, sister, husband said, perhaps, like, this is so, this is so, like, this is a game of Chinese whispers. Like, what's this? Yeah, say it again. Say it again. How did they find okay. out about this? So Orlova contacted this man called Alexander Voitrov, who was knew about this student called Nikolai Borisovich Jacobi, whose widow, Elizaveta Karlovna, told Voitrov in 1913 that a duke called Stanbuk was disturbed by the attention that Tchaikovsky was paying to um, Stanbuk Formor's young nephew. And so this all goes back just to he's gay. This is the problem. Die. Honestly, all of these theories just go back to that. But anyhow, 
Um, so apparently Stern Stenbock, um, for I'm just gonna call him Stenbock. Stenbock wrote a letter of accusation to the Tsar in autumn of nineteen of 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 eighteen ninety three, that he told Jacoby to deliver to the Tsar. <laughs> of course, of course, um, and and um. Jacoby, he didn't want any public scandal, so instead he brought all of Tchaikovsky's former schoolmates in St. Petersburg to have a court, to basically form this court of honor where they were supposed to discuss the allegation and what to do with him. Which isn't this extrajudicial justice? Can you just bring a bunch of schoolmates and be like, what do we do with this gay man? <laughs> like, I feel like this isn't legal, is it? Not to mention the sources, the, this pupils, pupils, widows, duke. We are well, when we were out here talking about all that. I was like, okay, so this is not even true. Also, the best course of action was die. Then <laughs> just die. Apparently, apparently, allegedly, they had discussed this meeting. This meeting was five hours, and at the end of the meeting, Tchaikovsky rushed out of the out of the out of the room, and he was pale and agitated. And he didn't say anything. And once everybody left, Jacoby told his wife, um, Elizaveta Karlovna, that they decided that Tchaikovsky should kill himself. And that two days, uh, two days later, Tchaikovsky died. <laughs> oh, that's, that's absolutely terrible. So you have like a five-hour meeting with your former schoolmates, <laughs> deciding on your fate. And they decided you must die. What and this is, again extra judicial quote unquote justice? That's how you're gonna do it. Also, first, first off, this story sounds so fake. But second, if it's true, that's not a good look for you. Like you literally like bro, kill yourself. <laughs> really? That was the the best course of action because you found out he was gay. At least like I don't know. No, he was trying to sed- sed- he had he was interested in Duke Stenbock's nephew, and so they're like, "That's not that's not right. You can't do that." I guess. At least exile or something. Yeah, throw, throw him in jail like you do with the rest of them, not suicide. <laughs> Orlova claims that this inc- inc- incident happened on the thirty first of October, which is the only day that. We don't know where Tchaikovsky was in the evening, mm-hmm. which for her means that the evening was the time where this five-hour meeting happened. And so Dr. John Henry concluded in a BBC documentary that in, 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 it was a documentary, you can watch it, it's called Pride or Prejudice. It's about Tchaikovsky uh, and, and his and theories about his death. And he said that all the reported symptoms of Tchaikovsky fit very closely with arsenic poisoning. And so he was basically implying, because the documentary leaned heavily towards the court of honor theory. And basically, um, and there also, you can see in that documentary interviews by Orlova and friends about this incident. And so basically implying that he took arsenic in order to mimic the, the cholera in order so that he could die, basically. Um, of course, a lot of other uh, um, people, a lot of other respected um, uh, studies of the composer said that, um, that that's not possible. And there was this man called Poznansky. Um, he revealed that there was actually no duke called Stenberg Former, and only a count of this of that name. 
who was an officer, who was an officer to the czar, so he wouldn't actually need Jacoby to deliver the ledger because he could have just delivered it himself. Which I'm just gonna say the whole theory this is on shaky ground and I do not believe it with all due respect. It's nice and spicy, but there is nothing supporting it, honestly. I find it ridiculous. And I also find it relies a little bit too much on the 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 spicy aspect of it. Like, oh my goodness, he is falling in love with someone's nephew who's a duke who who whose wife's widowed who who's widow and then after he tells like and then the czar it's like it's it, it's a little it's a little bit much I'm, I, I'm gonna be honest um so then after we have another theory and basically all the theories are exactly the same um and it this one is called the suicide by order of the czar theory i feel like apart from the water one most of the other theories I'm sure just hinge on he gay so yeah and <laughs> like what die <laughs> so the Swiss musicologist which <sighs> the musicologist called Robert Alloyd Muther proposed that Tchaikovsky's death was ordered by the Tsar himself and Muther learned this from a composer called Ricardo Drigo and the composer Alexander um, Glazunov, who was with him in the restaurant. So, according to this scenario, um, Tchaikovsky had <laughs> Sorry. Tchaikovsky had seduced the son of the caretaker of his brother Modest's apartment. So let me let me make that let me make that clear. The caretaker the caretaker of Modest's apartment's son. Was being courted basically by Tchaikovsky. And allegedly, I need to say allegedly, <laughs> Glazunov um, confirmed this. Um, and Muther considered Glazunov as a reliable witness, um, attesting to his, quote, upright moral character, veneration for the composer, and friendship with Tchaikovsky. Um, and the, a French scholar called André uh, André Lich also confirmed "quote unquote" um, Glazunov's confession. So Lich's father was a student of the composer in Petrograd in the 1920s. So Lich's father was a student of Glazunov in the 1920s, and apparently Glazunov. Who, I don't know why you're confiding in a student, but allegedly he confided in Lishk's father about this incident, which Lishk then gave to his son, and which is why he knew what Gladunov was thinking. And um, <laughs> apparently, apparently, um, the the czar was just upset at it, and he was just like, he needs to go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, 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 okay. So, okay, you're telling me Tchaikovsky is courting the caretaker of his brother's apartment's son, and now the czar's getting angry about it? Because Tchaikovsky is such a respected Russian composer. He's their, he's their boy, and now he's being caught trying to court... 
caretaker sons like oh no it's such a scandal you know how could russia possibly survive at least with like the duke one like it's something that's more closely related to the duke himself he's like no you're not going to touch my nephew but this it's it seems a bit random i i i also i also agree i have to say um uh, poznanski argues that glazunov needed to hear this information from tchaikovsky's like one of the people at, that were with him like while he was dying and but but it didn't seem like he had like he got that information from anyone also but Drigo claims that no it's because all the people at the death side of Tchaikovsky were trying to deny we're trying to cover it up we're trying to cover up the scandal and that everyone in the, uh, that that knew Tchaikovsky knew about this and that all the people were just trying to cover up except him and Glazunov uh, allegedly Glazunov again the theory has no basis in 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 no like firm basis in reality I'm, I'm 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 gonna have to be honest and i think i think it's just another i think it's just another theory and it also like like uh cindy was saying it's 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 the gay man oh no sort of thing where like there's not to mention again these sources are very odd like there is no we can't we don't have any direct quote from glazunov himself saying that hey you know i saw i i saw this happening there's no letter that there's nothing trackable basically there's no track and trace uh, that to, to say that glazunov ever said this and i i don't know why i think abby is right why would the czar be so interested in a composer falling in love with someone's nephew? Like, how did, how did he even find out? Yeah, who was telling him? Did somebody, did someone just be like, czar? Did you see what Tchaikovsky was doing? How did it spread? How did it spread? But only Glazunov and Lishk's father, whatever, or Drigo knew about this. No, I don't know. It sounds bizarre. It's like, okay, so falling in love with this caretaker's son so like somebody around that somebody around the the the, the family of that caretaker or that or maybe the brother of Tchaikovsky but why would he tell on his brother and why to the czar like why can't you like tell the, the the owner of the apartment hey Tchaikovsky trying to get with your son I don't know why <sighs> anyhow so all the way up to or maybe Modeste went to the the, the the parent of the caretaker and the caretaker was so upset about this <laughs> that he went to the star to kill Tchaikovsky <laughs> like what were they trying to get out of this anyhow so this brings us to our third theory which is kind of the final theory but there's also like another kind of half theory which is suicide by reckless action so this um this theory is basically almost uh, it's like a little bit of a cool down, but also a little bit of a cool up, if you if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, cool up is not a thing, but anyhow. So this theory basically says that Tchaikovsky was like in a personal crisis moment. He it, it was meant to witness Brov, and um, he was because by some account he was actually infatuated with Bob. 
Okay, who's Bob again? Bob, also known as Vladimir um, um, da- Davidov, was his nephew. So was the nephew or the son? <laughs> why? Why the? Why the only nephews and sons? He needs to get a bigger dating pool. It's always someone's son or someone's nephew. And anyhow, by some, whose nephew is this again? Tchaikovsky's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, this is going too far. And so, by some accounts, apparently, he was interested in him, or at least in some way infatuated with him. And so, for a lot of people, which has become like a very popular theory now, that's why the Sixth Symphony was like so sad because he realized that the relationship was probably never gonna, you know, take off because of all the situations surrounding it, you know. And that he was just like he was just in a really like deep like crisis, personal crisis, and he was almost writing the the um, the Sixth Symphony almost as like a and like a suicide note slash requiem. I'm writing this requiem yeah, for myself. Type <laughs> and, and and that's why people people think that's why he didn't want to tell people the program. Yes. So he was hiding the hiding the meaning of the program so that people wouldn't you know like because you know you don't want to you know it would open the door Wait, no at least say like it's unrequited love but people oftentimes programs open the door to the person's own life yeah they'll probably ask who's this unrequited love is it for, like from your perspective that's too much questions like for, the, for example the german writer um goethe wrote a book called the sorrows of young Werther which is the most horrendous cover-up for a self-insert. But, <laughs> but basically in the book, like, it was talking about this man, this young man who's, like, in love with this young woman, but she's married or engaged to someone else. And he's, like, very sad about it or whatever. And basically it was Goethe's life beast disguised under Werther. And, of course, a lot of people caught on and knew exactly who he was talking about. And he barely changed any names, could have done much better he could have changed all the names and kind of like made the story similar but like different true but i think that's why people think that tchaikovsky might have tried to avoid that sort of like hmm but wait who's this we don't see you like is this inspired by your life story so he might have tried to avoid that by like just not saying anything at all uh, and I think this has really got the musicologist just going, honestly, because almost every single analysis that I've seen about the piece post, like, like 1970s is almost always, oh, gay unrequited love. And I'm just like, uh, uh, with his nephew. I mean, it's not your cut. Hmm. see <laughs> which one's worse? That's literally your brother's child. Okay, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. But, I mean, perhaps... I'm not going to try and defend this. I do not know what to say. You know, like, sad songs can, can have different flavors. Like, maybe I need to listen to it myself, but... what? 
I feel like if it, if it has to do with love, like what, why does it have to be? Or maybe what, what? Maybe he was going through it mentally. Like what about like that being a theory for why it sounds so sad? Like there are so many things that can make it sad. But I think I was kind of inspired by the fact that he was a bachelor for a huge chunk of his life. Like he was, he just wasn't. He wasn't. If he alone, he gay. <laughs> Sound advice. Um, um, that was courtesy of our mother. One time we were having a discussion about Beethoven of all people, um, because we were talking about his um, unsuccessful love life, and mom was like, in historical times, if they're alone, they're gay. Um, and, and to be honest, <laughs> she has a little bit of a basis, a little bit. Because she's talking, she's talking about how we interpret like the historical times, right? And most of the time in in the bygone eras, that usually meant, you know, he he can't find somebody to be with because it's culturally not appreciated. Or maybe you just don't have success in love. There are a lot of people who are alone now, and oftentimes a lot of gay people went into marriage just to cover it up instead of just living by themselves. Yeah, also about Beethoven, <laughs> that was really the the, the that was really the selling point. I think that was a problem. To us, it's just like wait, but Beethoven. We don't have any like basis for that. Unlike Chopin and his letters to Titus, you know. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, she, <laughs> she did that. She, she did exactly that. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, almost. But I think it's because like he just wasn't dating. You know, the church grandmas whenever they see that you haven't been dating for a while, and they're like. Why aren't you married? That actually happened to um, us, basically, when we were having a little stint in a church, basically. And he was like, are any of our children married? And, of course, the mother was like, no, they're not. And he was like, you know, I, they, you know, we need to start pairing them up. That sort of mindset where you're just like, if you're around the appropriate age, and he was 53, if you're around the appropriate age, you're expected to at least, you know, you know be with someone. So, I uh, Wait, hold on. Didn't he get married? Didn't Tchaikovsky get married? Huh? I, I. Wait, what? Oh wait, that, that actually might that actually might be possible. But I mean, maybe. It, oh no, it's the Mandela effect. Oh gosh, spooky. <laughs> What are you whispering about? Hold on. Yeah, I'm scared to talk about this later. You guys are out here <laughs> in the back. Do some the Tchaikovsky. Anyhow, but I think because he was, so, he was such a bachelor and it just seemed like he wasn't getting on with anyone, I think, you know, the instant place in your mind is that love affair. And I think it's just also a lot of romantic era sorrows and gripes are oftentimes like connected to some sort of romantic thing you know it's just it's almost a cliche you know and I talk I think I thought I talked about this in one of our early episodes but it's like with list and leave us home number three where people are today it's called love dream sounds romantic it must be about someone as losing a love, uh, like a, a lover, basically, or some sort of romantic nonsense that people are going on about, which, no, that's not what the piece is about. But 
And I remember the first time I, the first time I, I was in the comment section, I saw someone who was like, you can really like, you can just hear that this is about like passionate romantic love. I'm just like, who told you that? Like, and not to mention that Liz was having a pretty successful relationship at the time. So I don't, like why there is no proof to say that this has anything to do with any sort of biographical moments in in this life it's just assumed that i think if something just has a really good melody people are to say that's a romantic song in it and and tchaikovsky is known for having some pretty good melodies you know that i think a lot of people just assume that it had to it had to it had to be you know romantic in some way but I mean, I'm not really sure where this theory started, which why some people think that he was in, in infatuated with his nephew. But I don't feel that there's enough proof to assume that Sad Song person dies nine days after Sad Song premieres and they're not married. So Sad Song is because they're not married, which made them commit suicide. I feel like it's a little bit of a jump. Yeah, and also, like, symphonies take a long time to write. What if when he first started writing that symphony, he wasn't even thinking about that stuff? True, like, how long has has this infatuation been going? For years? Like, I, I don't know. And so I, it's led a lot of people to think that perhaps he just contracted another disease that we didn't know of that has similar symptoms and he just died from that. He, maybe he got tetanus. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, there are a lot of d- different disease running, running about in the 19th century. But how, why does this make us want to, because now we have to ask the question, why does this make us want to exhume the tomb? Like, yeah, why, why do it? Um, and I think it's inspired by another case that happened, um, that happened, happening and has not been solved, about Napoleon Bonaparte. And so for a long time, we assumed that he had died from stomach cancer because that's what the autopsy said. And that could be honestly an exhumed tomb in and of itself. But a lot of people wanted to take out his, because arsenic. He had a lot of arsenic in that house. A lot of the wallpapers were green, and the green wallpaper was made out of arsenic. And so, and he was in a very um, like damp environment, and so that makes the the arsenic release from the wallpaper. Man, houses were nasty back then. They were pretty, but nasty. Anyhow, and so a lot of people wanted to take out the body just because it you can get um arsenic from bodies are are over a hundred years old and so a lot of people wanted to take out napoleon's body to do testing and so that made a lot of people who believed in the arsenic theory for tchaikovsky want to take out his body to you know investigate it but russia has kind of been like no no you're not doing that you're not taking out his body which has made more and more people be like well we don't even know how this dude died why can't we get out his body and investigate it but the thing is kind of with mozart what are we actually gaining as a society from taking out his body? And should we actually even exhume this too? <laughs> because I feel like it's just really a big part of the series about his death seemed to almost satisfy just the weird human curiosity 
like what if it actually because he's gay and in love with his nephew or maybe it's because the czar did this and did and this is the reason why you know i feel like a lot of it is 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 a little bit vain and very selfish like this isn't sort of like you know the sort of richard the third thing where it's just like really what is the what is the truth <laughs> this is more like but how he died though and like is it because of the gay? Like, it really, and why does it always feel like it centers back to that? Yeah, and with the with the princess in the tower, there's almost this feeling where you want to avenge these young kids, you know, that might have been murdered. Or avenge Richard III for being falsely accused. She's making several points. But there's almost a sense that either for the Richard III team or the princess team that you want to vindicate someone. You want to bring justice to someone. And it, and it feels like a really, like, a thing that will change the course of how we viewed history. Like, could we have, like, wrongly assumed that Richard was some villain, you know, who, that he, who needed to be de- 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 defeated by the righteous, you know, Henry Tudor? And were we, like, mistaking history? And should we, you know, change the, the way we view, the way we teach history in English class? And as somebody who was in an English school for a bit, it was really that evil man who wasn't very nice and no one liked him and had a hunchback did evil things and kill the ki- kids, you know? And... You know, that would be important to change that. However, with Tchaikovsky, is that a really important part of his life, uh, of his story, of his legacy, really? I mean, it would it would be nice to know, but is it even necessary? Well, for this one, I, I would say it's, it, it, it would be an intriguing find, but it's not necessary. It's not necessarily um, something that needs to be imminent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or something that needs to be very sort of like influential or impactful to things forward. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be I'm petitioning to the Queen of England, open these tombs. It's more like a maybe Russia shouldn't be so strict on giving us the body of Tchaikovsky for history. I mean, I'm sure we would get the Tchaikovsky stands feeling like there's some sort of closure, but I, I feel like it would be like people can be like, oh, he uh died from what's a disease? Typhoid typhoid fever. Oh okay. That's good. People change the Wikipedia page and then after we go to sleep, you know? Yeah, that's that's how that's what it feels like. But I think the thing that's most interesting for me is what we talked about, like the series and what most of them hinging on the whole he gay, so he must be having an unrequited love affair with weird people. <laughs> And it's just like, hmm, you can talk kind of about, like, the history of how gay people in general have been looked upon in, like, biographies and stuff like that. But that's also, like, a thing all on its own. own. Really, really, the the, the point of this podcast is to talk about whether or not we need, this particular episode is whether or not we need to exhume his tomb. And I I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I don't think we, I don't think it's urgent. Yeah, and I, I I do agree with Abby that I feel like it just it hinges a lot on gay people have mysterious lives. He must have a mysterious death, and I honestly feel I agree with both of you. It would be an interesting find, but I don't think it's necessary. 
So yeah, I mean, you guys, you know, I can can you know interact and have you know your own uh, opinions on on this, which you know, we, it would be nice to hear. Um, because we're going to actually be uploading some of our uh, some of our content to to YouTube, so that you know, you guys can you know see some you know lit snippets, so you guys you know would be able to comment, you know, finally interact on this wonderful podcast. Um, so. I mean, that's the end of it, basically. Um, this was the Three Masons podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, our viewership has seemed to increase a little bit in the last few days. We got a lot of um, plays, um, which we're thankful for. So thank you for listening. This was the Three Masons podcast. I was your occasional host, Gloria, and I'm signing out. Bye!